Hello and welcome to Lessons with Dad. I'm here with my daughter Ruthie. Hi. And we are continuing in Acts. Today we're going into chapter 9, a super pivotal chapter in the book of Acts here. Uh, to recap, in chapter 8, this is where the church was scattered after uh, the stoning and killing of Stephen. And who was the main player there that was uh, out uh, uh, doing things in chapter 8, Ruthie? Philip. And what was Philip doing? He was preaching. That's right. Everywhere he went. So here, as the disciple or the most of the disciples stayed in Jerusalem, but all the rest of the church was scattered uh, due to the persecution. But Philip was out. And everywhere he went, he was preaching the gospel and had converts. Pretty exciting chapter to see what God was doing in using the persecution to actually grow the church. So we're going to see a, a big change in someone here in chapter 9, a very, very exciting chapter. And so, Ruthie, I'm going to let you begin here in chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. So remember, Saul was there giving his approval, right, that when Stephen was killed. And Saul, we'll find out, is a Pharisee. He's part of the Jewish church. And what he thinks he's doing in breathing out these murderous threats is he thinks he's protecting God and the Jewish faith from this, you know, these other people that are, are what he thinks is is preaching something that isn't true. But we're going to find out what happens. So let me give that as a preface, and I probably should have done that up front, Ruthie. But go ahead, start start over again What in verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. That's right. So they, he's asking, he's going to the leaders of the church now to ask for letters to say, hey, if I find these people, and at this time they called it, and it's neat, it's called the way, at least in the uh, the NIV version that we're reading here. So uh, that's what they called them. It was a way, whether men or women, he wanted to take them back uh, to be disciplined or whatever they were going to do. So continue on in verse 3. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? What? So what happened here? So he's walking or riding on a horse or donkey or something. He's traveling to Damascus to try to arrest Christians for this new, the way. Um, what happened to him? He saw light from heaven flash. <laughs> yes, and what what did he do when this light from heaven flashed? What did he do? He fell. He, right, probably ground. probably face down like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And he hears a voice, re repeat what the voice said. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Right, so he says, why do you persecute me? Amazing. He's probably like, what in the world is going on? Who did I upset? And so clearly he realizes that this is not 
an earthly thing, that this is a heavenly thing. So what does is, what is Saul say next, Ruthie? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. What? So now, how shocked do you think he is? He was even there when, in giving his approval when Stephen was killed, and now he sees this light, and, and it realizes that, hey, this is Jesus. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. How, do you think he's worried at this point? Yes. <laughs> well, I would be, right? I'd be, I'd be pretty worried. So now he hears this voice. Um, well, let's see what, what else Jesus has to say to him. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Wow. All right. The men traveling with Saul stood there, speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him to the hand, by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Wow. So here he is. He gets up. He's blinded. The people he was with heard something but didn't see the light. And this big flash of light, and he has been, it has been revealed that this is Jesus that he has been persecuting. And I love when, when Jesus asked him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Right? And so, but Jesus had a plan for Saul. And, and I think, well, let's see what happens. Then we'll talk more about what it, what it means for you and me. In Damascus, there is a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and go and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. So here's here's Ananias. He's in a dream, having a vision, and Jesus tells him to go do something. And basically, what does he say there, Ruthie? Um, he said he's heard things about what he's done to your saints. That's Jesus. right. So what do you think he's essentially saying? Oh, I'm, I'm ready. Send me right now. I'm going to go do it. Or, or is he saying something different? He's saying he doesn't want to. <laughs> That's right. He's saying, Lord, this guy's been out there killing disciples and doing bad things and arresting them. I really don't want to go. So he's kind of arguing with God's God's there saying, I want you to go here, Ananias. And he's like, uh, I don't think so. That guy's a bad guy. Uh, like God, like Jesus wouldn't actually know that, right? Jesus knows everything. But uh, Ananias feels it's necessary to tell him and that he's worried about his his own safety. So, but but let's see what God and Jesus says to him here. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So, wow. So he, it looks like Jesus has picked Paul, 
or that he, his name is Saul right now, but uh, his name will be changed to Paul as he becomes uh, a Christian. And he will suffer for his name and, and probably have to suffer to, to one, prove that he truly is a believer and also for what he's done to the other Christians. But um, let's see. And this is something, Ruthie, Saul has been responsible. He easily could have stopped the death of Stephen. He's who knows what things weren't recorded in the Bible here that he did. Would you say Paul is a good person? That Saul is, who was responsible and could have stopped Stephen's death and is arresting and persecuting Christians? No. Now, Saul thinks he's doing the right thing for God, but you're right. He's going to realize he's going to be convicted of sin, of what he's done. So do you think of all the sins that killing is someone is one of the worst? Yes. <laughs> so do you think people that have killed others can go to heaven? Depends. Depends Probably on what? Not. Why not? Why couldn't they go to? I mean, they could if they um, said or asked for forgiveness and uh, like know what they did was bad. That's right. So look, we all sin, every, every single one of us. And whether we're committing murder or we're um, lying or cheating or having anger in our hearts. And Jesus said, you know, having, well, let me not quote if I don't know the exact verse. So I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But, but essentially, if, if all sin is bad to God, and what we need to do is realize we're just like Saul. Even though we haven't killed, we've had hatred in our hearts, which is the same thing. We've uh, coveted others or coveted other people's things. We have done terrible things. And what this is a great example of Saul and that God has a plan for him is that no matter what we've done, no matter how bad what anyone thinks that they've done, they can still be reconciled to God. There is nothing we can do to separate us from God's love. But what we have to do is exactly what you said. You don't just get saved for any reason. You have to do a couple things, which is you have to ask for forgiveness. You need to recognize, like you said, what you did is wrong. So you gave the right recipe. Identify and, and acknowledge what you did was wrong. But you have to ask for forgiveness, and there's only one way to get true forgiveness, and that's acknowledging that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And so that has to happen. And we're going to see that Saul does that, and it, this is a great example, him and his life and his turning. And then he turns his whole life over to doing only one thing, and that's preaching the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. His whole life, he becomes the main character in the the second half of Acts here, um, because he goes all over the world traveling to tell people about Jesus. That's how excited he is, that he realizes what he has done is wrong, was wrong, but now he sees the light, literally saw the light from Jesus, right? On the road to Damascus there, he is blinded by this light. So again, um, let's continue on. He said, try... This is his chosen man. So right here in verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. 
Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. So amazing. Awesome. I think th this is just a great story. So Jesus appeared to him, told him that, you know, asked him why he was um, persecuting, you know, Jesus. Then he's blinded. He's there praying. Clearly the Lord is appearing not only to Ananias, but also to Saul in visions um, while he's praying. So Ananias shows up, puts his hands on him, prays, and bam, these scale-like things fall from his eyes. That's a pretty cool thing, don't you think, Ruthie? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like out of some science fiction movie or something. So these things fall off. He can see what's the first thing they do when he uh, can see and he uh, is restored with Ananias. What, what's the first thing that he does? Baptize him. That, that's exactly right. Over and over and over again, we're going to see when somebody believes they are baptized and there's no reason to wait. Get baptized immediately. Today, this morning, while we were at church, we just missed seeing the person, but someone at our church was baptized this morning. What a great way to show that you're a believer. Uh, I was baptized as an adult, Ruthie. This is, it's something that's scriptural. These adults hear Saul as a, as a man and someone in the church. Everyone, when they believe, gets baptized. And that's a symbol. And, and I love the symbolism of baptism of um, we die with our sin, but we're raised again in life in Jesus Christ. And that's really what it's symbolizing is, you know, Jesus died for our sins, but we're born again and resurrected. And we're going to turn away from that life and, and go to a new one. So again, super cool chapter here. I'll continue here. Um, in verse the end of verse 19 Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God so he did he waste any time no no he jumped right in I mean at once he started preaching it's amazing this man who had been persecuting Christians immediately starts preaching exactly the opposite and Look, I'm not the only one that's surprised. Listen, what, verse 21. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among, among those who call on, his, on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. After many days had gone, had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. So again, what do the Jews try to do when people are, are turning away from that and turning to, to Christianity? They try to kill people. Unbelievable that people in the church would take that kind of action. But they were so threatened, their security and their way of life was so threatened by this that they would try to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. 
But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. I mean, isn't, I mean, would you, are you surprised that when he goes to Jerusalem that they think he's trying to fool them and actually arrest them? So it says, when he came to Jerusalem, when he, when he was in Damascus and he tried to join the disciples, they were, all the disciples were afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. Oh, because he went straight from, like he just got baptized. And That's right. And he preached a little bit in Damascus, right? But then he wanted to go to Jerusalem and see the other believers. But they're all afraid because they think he's actually either playing tricks or trying to use this as a way to find them, find them out, right? Maybe it's subterfuge and he's trying to lay a trap so he can arrest him. And it says here, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. So again, persecution happened mainly by Saul and maybe some other people with him, but then they scattered, grew the church, but then Saul is converted. And then the church enjoyed another peaceful time, at least for a little while, because it wasn't to last. So let's read what happens next. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in, how do you say that? Lydda. Lydda. There he found a man named, how do you say that? Inas. Inas. A, um, paralytic. Paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. Um, I forget how to say it. Anais. Anais. Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. Immediately, Anais got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. And... Joppa, mm -hmm. there is a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dor Dorcas. Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lida was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lida, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. 
She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. What? So what? Who? Who was this that just got up? Tabitha. And what was she doing before she got up? She was really sick. No, she was or, dead. Or she was. Dead. She was dead. She had been dead. She had been laid there. Her body had been cleaned, and she was there for for family and others to come see her, and probably had been there for a couple of days. So, not only did Peter heal a paralytic, and then everybody in that town believed. Then he goes over here, and there's a woman that had died, and he goes over and heals her. People are going crazy right now. They can't believe the wonders. This is the same kind of stuff Jesus was doing, right? So let, let's see what happens. She opened her eyes. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to, to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and pre presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Awesome. So pretty exciting stuff here in this chapter. So just to recap, just because th this is where the beginning of where it really makes a shift from, and, and in the next chapter, we'll make an even bigger shift from Peter over to Paul. And some of that happens because the neat thing about this book, Ruthie, this is the book of Acts. It was written by Luke as well if we remember, right? So Luke in this is actually, you'll find out later, some of this is written, of this book is written in the first person, meaning Luke was actually there. Luke went on missionary journeys with Paul. So it is really cool as he writes this, he and Paul were good friends, went on missionary journeys together. And some of this is he's recounting stories that he's heard from others, maybe from Paul or from Peter, because he was in, in that inner circle of people. But uh, some exciting things. So first, we've got Saul, who's on his way to Damascus, sees the bright light from God, from Jesus, right? Is blinded, and Jesus asks him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He's blinded for three days, then comes back gets his sight, gets baptized, and then starts immediately preaching the good news and becomes a huge advocate. He's really the first missionary documented here and is a massive missionary to travel all over. But, but then it shifts quickly to Peter, and we see the power, Ruthie, of the Holy Spirit at this time and how God is empowering the apostles to do these miraculous things so that people will believe in the Lord and that their message is true. So pretty amazing. Uh, not only is it amazing with the, um, the person that was dead, that was raised to life, the paralytic, but how about the conversion of Saul? What, what do you think is more impressive that, that people will believe? Someone who was out persecuting Christians and is now turned to the exact opposite and has become one of the, the people he was persecuting? What do you think? Would you believe more in a, a changed life like Saul, or would you believe more in a miracle like a paralyzed person that can now walk? A changed life? Yeah. I, I don't know. It's it, it, Both would be amazing if you're there and you see them, right? It's just, it is amazing to see. And, and Saul's conversion is one of 
the great examples of why we can believe Christianity is true. Someone like that that was out fighting against it would not change their whole life if it wasn't true. So any thoughts or comments you have before we wrap up chapter nine, Ruthie? Um, my favorite part was um, Saul's transformation. Yeah. And anything particular you liked about the transformation? Um, that like he was baptized right after. Yeah, I, I do like that as well. He's baptized right after. I, I like the part where the scales or something fall from his eyes. I, and I think it's really neat as well. Um, enjoyed the part where uh, he and Ananias are both seeing visions of Jesus, right? God is talking and, and the Lord Jesus is talking to people through their dreams. And, you know, just wonder sometimes if he talks to us that way through our prayer, you know, Saul was, was praying for three days. And during that time, um, God appeared to him in visions or maybe through, through the word, um, that he was reading. So super cool story. Really love that. Saul, whose name is changed to Paul becomes the, the main character, you know, through the, the rest of the book of acts and, uh, he'll recount his story to other believers and, and other people he's preaching to as we go on. So a, a pivotal point. And Paul probably wrote more books, well, not probably, did write more books of the New Testament than anyone else. So all the letters going to these different places are churches that he eventually planted. So, I mean, we can run through them. I mean, he wrote books to the Corinthians, the Galatians, the Ephesians. Um, Colossus, Colossians, Thessalonians, Timothy. I mean, all these are letters that he wrote that make up the New Testament. So amazing that the person that's writing these was someone that started out completely against Christianity. All right. Well, listen, uh, really enjoyed chapter nine of Acts. Uh, we Thank those that are joining us on the podcast, and we'll see you next week on Lessons with Dad.